I want to help customers really on their travel towards achieving whatever they want to achieve in their company. We advise them to say, just as you have, I'm sure, very fixed financial targets, or you can have targets within human resources, whatever, the staff mm. satisfaction rates or whatever, you should also set some, some specific targets on what you want to achieve with the global goals. Hello and welcome to SDG Stories. SDG Stories is a podcast where stakeholders in the Nordics and in the Philippines share their best practices on challenges to working with CSR, sustainability, and the sustainable development goals. Knowledge sharing is a powerful tool in the transition towards sustainability and towards a better world for everyone. SDG Stories is an in-depth talk with people who make a positive impact on how to go from idea to result so you can get inspired. In this interview, I'm talking with Stein Andersen, the former General Secretary for UNICEF Denmark and new director of First Chair Group Global Goals. We touch upon the importance of education and how to utilize the SDGs as a business opportunity to solve societal problems. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, Stein. It's really nice of you. Uh, first of all, uh, could you please tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, some history about how long you've been working with matters related to CSR and the SDG? Yeah, uh, my background is that I uh, have been working for UNICEF as the country director in Denmark for 24 years, leaving the job a year ago. Uh, before that, I was head of communication in the Danish Heart Foundation. Before that, I worked for Danish television. And before that, I was actually trained as a historian um, teaching in high school for one year. Um, and the last year or so, I've been driving my own small consultancy until four weeks ago when I joined uh, this new company called First Chair Group Global Goals. Uh, so we're, we're a very new company working with something that I've been spending a lot of time on even before the global goals were invented, because before that there were the so-called millennium development goals. So it's been part of my life for, yeah, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so as I can see, you started out with a, with a bachelor and a master's degree in, uh, in history and English, and yes, that you, uh, you worked as a, as a history teacher. So how come you, uh, you changed to work with um, the, in, the millennium development goals and the SDGs? Um, well, Quite simply, there were no jobs for history teachers uh, when I graduated. Uh, so I had to think creatively uh, outside the box. And I also have to say, I never really, it was never the ambition in my life to become a high school teacher, but it was a fun while it lasted and I enjoyed doing it and whatever. Um, but I had to seek other job opportunities and I found them with the, the Danish television. Then there was only one nationwide team. Uh, and from there, I was um, I joined the Heart Foundation in communications, and uh, and then uh, after eight years doing that, I left for UNICEF, um, and that was actually also a little bit, of, you know, I think career planning is something sometimes you do in the mirror. Uh, I never discussed with myself that I should have a career in UNICEF or the UN or whatever, but there was a job ad, and I applied because I thought I needed a change after eight years in the same job. Uh, and I was fortunate to get it. So, um, and to be honest, 
I didn't know much about uh, UNICEF or work for children or sustainable development goals that were not even discussed then. So it has sort of grown on me, you can say. Okay, okay, that's interesting, that's interesting. Um, so uh, can you tell me a little bit about your work with uh, UNICEF Denmark and uh, which SDGs do you specifically work with? Well, actually, we made a survey uh, a couple of years before I left that almost all of the 17 uh, Millennium Development Goals somehow are related to children. I mean, you can talk education, you can talk climate issues, you can talk violation of rights, you can talk equality between the two genders, all of them somehow relate to children. So it's difficult to say which especially, but I mean, education of children clearly is it's also that is close to my heart, uh, I, I must say. But what I did in UNICEF was, in a, in a way, it's it's an interesting job in a country like Denmark because we don't do development work for children in Denmark. We collect money, raise funds, ship it on to colleagues in Africa, Asia, whatever, who actually carry out the work. So you can say that I did a combination of marketing, fundraising, representation, being the liaison between UNICEF and the state government uh, and some education in Denmark of children's rights and of course uh, lately about the uh, the uh, goals so it was a combination okay. I always say I sometimes I had to wear rubber boots uh, out in the field sometimes they were uh, well polished black shoes in the uh, in the more in the ministries and all of that it was a combination yeah that sounds very interesting <laughs> it is. so you had to switch between those Every once in a while. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so uh, so you said that you uh, you also shipped off the money to uh, to, for example, Asia. Do you, do you have any comments about uh, the Philippines uh, specifically, or any project Actually, projects that you want to launch? The Philippines is one of the few countries I've never been to. Uh, I've been traveling a lot in the world uh, for over twenty four years, uh, but unfortunately, I've never had the opportunity to go to the Philippines. Indonesia, Thailand, uh, Myanmar, lots of countries in Asia, but never Philippines, unfortunately. Okay, okay, but the, what, what were the projects that you did in, in uh, Southeast Asia, like Indonesia and Myanmar? It was very much about education. I mean, there was some recovery after uh, natural disasters, uh, for instance, after the big, big tsunami uh, 10, 12 years ago, um, yeah. rebuilding uh, in, in Indonesia. But it was much about uh, violation of children's rights, fighting uh, child uh, prostitution, uh, sexual abuse of children, unfortunately, not very nice subjects, uh, no. education, uh, trying to create jobs. Uh, for instance, in Thailand, we financed a project where young girls coming from the northern part of Thailand or even Myanmar uh, were sent to Bangkok and there was a big risk that they ended up in the prostitution industry. Uh, so yeah. we tried to get them before they happened there and train them as a sort of semi-nurses in hospitals or uh, hotel staff, you know, or whatever, to give these girls an opportunity because we knew they were, their families were dependent on the money they could send back to their village, but at least we could give them a chance to make that money without prostitution. So that was just one, one example of many, many projects. That sounds really, that sounds really, really good. And like, uh, it was, it was again, a, and actually very, uh, to meet these young girls and see that, I mean, of course they had dreams like everybody else in, in this world and like young people always have, but the risk yeah. of them ending up in something not very nice was actually quite severe in those days. And I'm afraid probably still is. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know that, uh, for example, in the Philippines, it's very prevalent that there is uh, online sexual abuse, and yeah. I can only imagine that it's gotten even worse uh, with I'm COVID because so. they can't go to school. And no, and in yeah. the Philippines, you also have this, unfortunately, this system whereby you can sit in Europe and you can pay for sexual abuse of a child online and all of that. Those very, very nasty stories I remember. Yeah, it's really bad. But thankfully, the the Danish um, uh, police and the Philippine police uh, system, they're working together now to uh, combat it. Yeah, yeah I know. But you're quite right. In these uh, corona times, the risk of, of bad things happening to children are even bigger because they cannot go to school, they cannot go to institutions. They, uh, and they have some, the families cannot make money in the, in the ordinary way because there are no jobs. So, I mean, the risk of child labor, child prostitution and all that is increased in these days. Yeah, that's yeah, my that job. The, the incentives are, are too strong to, uh, to do that. Um, yeah, so, uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now with the First Chair Group Global Goals, is yeah, that right? It's a, it's a little bit of a complicated name. First Chair Group is the company that owns, uh, together with my company, seven companies. Uh, mine is number seven. And uh, the idea is for us, it's a, it's a, in Danish we say consulentu, so house of consultants. Uh, working in digitalization, in marketing, advertising, uh, human resources, uh, a lot of areas. And I've known one of the two owners for quite many years. So when I left UNICEF, he said, why not come and have your desk in our place and concentrate on global goals? Because what we experience is that when we go out to companies, organizations, institutions, they very often ask questions about it, but what about global goals? Can we use them in our business model? Uh, do we have to? You know, different uh, questions. So it took us some time to develop the partnership. And uh, when we were about to launch it in the springtime, Corona happened. So everything was closed down for some months. And then there was summer break. So that's why we decided only to start it now, close to four weeks ago. Um, and the idea is to help businesses integrating global goals in their business for to, to, to benefit the world, but also to benefit the company. And that, that is important to me to say, this, is not, this should not be seen as an additional cost. It should be seen as a, as a business opportunity, either in differentiating your product from other products, in branding, in, uh, in preventing, uh, or rather pre trying to avoid having uh, legal demands uh, as a because there are no doubt there will be more and more legal demands on, on how you produce and how you ship and whatever your, your goods. Or it could be yeah. for internal reasons uh, because you want to work for a company that is not only making money, there's nothing wrong in making money, but it's also working for the greater good. So there are a variety and of course then there are other business people who say, I'm actually a bit worried about the development of this world. And by the way, I just became a father, a mother or a grandparent or whatever. So I want to do my bit to create a better world. So there's different uh, motives, so to say. And that's yeah. what we can help trying to narrow down. You cannot work with 17 goals. So you have to narrow it down to those who are relevant to your company, your line of business, your ambition, how much money are you going to invest in this, uh, how much time and all of that. And this is because I did this for many years also in UNICEF working with some very big companies, Novo Nordisk, Novo Science, Lego, and whatever. I think I have some background to help, and so. So these firms that uh, that get um, some advice from you, uh, 
um, do they, how do they approach you? Um, are they, you know, are they um, a little uh, nervous about if it's going to be like a trade-off between profit and the SDGs or how, how are they when they, uh, they approach you? I would say uh, lack of knowledge combined with curiosity in a way. I mean, it, almost everyone have heard about the global goals. Uh, and in Denmark, they are very much uh, discussed and very visible. And, and again, now after, not after the corona, the corona is still here, but I mean, there were some months where everything was about corona or COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think most of the people that approached me also did when I was an independent consultant for one year was actually, we, we read about this, it looks very big. I mean, 17 goals, 169 detailed goals. I cannot relate to that. And on the other hand, something tells me it's important. Can you help me understand? Can you help me discuss? So I was used a couple of times to go to companies and um, where they had, for instance, called together their staff uh, for half a day, a full day, saying, we want somehow to work with the global goals. Let's discuss how and, and, and whatever. And since my background is both in the UN have, I can't say I was part of developing the global goals, but I followed the discussions carefully when, when it happened. And mm -hmm. I also have a business background. That's what I can offer them. Uh, so it's if from the first step to just what are they about uh, to how can I actually integrate them into my business. So, so how do they actually integrate it into their business? Oh, it varies a lot. It varies a lot. <laughs> um, my, my recommendation very often is to say, start looking inside your company. I mean, what, are, what is your day-to-day -day behavior, in inverted commas, in, in what happens to the food you don't eat in your cafeteria or in the canteen? Uh, how, what about your consumption of electricity? Uh, what about your travel costs? Uh, clearly, in these days, they are lower than they used to be. Is there a possibility to, to stay there because the CO2 footprint will be lower? Um, you know, such details were very often, also when I was in UNICEF actually, uh, we started looking at our own electricity consumption. And the big dinner mm -hmm. in that very often is your IT. So could we do the IT in a smarter way? And actually we were able to reduce our costs something five, six, 50, 60, 70,000 Danish kroner a year, just by thinking a bit smarter in, in the IT section. So I yeah. mean, Yes, it is an investment, but sometimes it's actually also a possibility to work smarter and therefore reduce your costs. Mm -hmm. I see that. I see that. Um, okay, so uh, do you have any like specific success stories that you can share with us? Or... Uh, I think there are quite a few success stories, uh, but again, we have to remember that the, the global goals are they're celebrating their fifth birthday. Uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, at the end of September, the 25th of September, I believe. Uh, yeah. So there are very few, let's say the first company started working with them for three years ago. Uh, so it's difficult yet to say that this has had an enormous effect on company A or B or whatever. But for instance, there's a printing company in Denmark, KLS Purprint, that's in mm -hmm. a way started to working with the global goals before they were invented. Uh, because you could also say, to some extent, corporate social responsibility were forerunner to global goals, or mm -hmm. there were those so-called millennium development goals that weren't very widely known, but at least they were there. And, and yeah. they have uh, managed to not only stay in business, but to grow their company in printing in an 
environment-friendly way, uh, using other colors, other kinds of paper, you know, all of these things. And mm -hmm. as late as yesterday, I heard about a Finnish company called Stora Inso, uh, mm -hmm. which used to produce only paper. And paper is perhaps not so much needed anymore when we don't print as much and we're encouraged not to do that. So they have, they're in the process of transforming their business into what, how can wood be used in, in, in an environment and friendly way? In, mm -hmm. For instance, sort of coating things or uh, instead of plastic, perhaps you can use wood, you know, things yeah. like that, yeah. which I thought was yeah. very, very interesting. And again, I heard about this as late as yesterday evening from a friend. <laughs> I'm far from an expert, but it, 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 I, I like these examples of, because a paper company will not go out of business. Of course not, but they will have to think in a new way and then they have hired one of my friends as the uh, global goals responsible person and she has another title because they really say we want to move into that direction and of course we still want to make a good profit. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah and, and sometimes you know choosing the sustainability um, approach is actually sometimes the way to, to grow. Uh, it is, uh, it is. I can talk about another company uh, mm -hmm. which um, produces something that is not very environmental friendly, that is glass mm -hmm. fiber. I'm not quite sure whether it's called glass fiber or whatever in, uh, in English, but I mean, uh, and that's what they do. And they know that this is perhaps not the smartest thing to do, but that's what they do. But then they have started looking at everything surrounding that, the logistics, the supply chain, uh, their human resources policy, you know, lots of things in the company where they say, okay, in other ways then, can we support the global goals? And I think that's also a very good way to do it because you still, I mean, if, if your product is glass fever, that's what mm. your product is. Uh, but then you can look at the other things and they do it also because they want to be able to attract and keep on, hang on to good stuff. And they know that it's good to have a purpose in addition to producing whatever you produce. So for them, mm. it's, very much a human resources uh, motive that uh, has brought them into using or working with the global goals, I should say. So there, as I said previously, there are always a mixture of motives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I guess sometimes you, you might be in an industry that is just it's not really compatible with all of the SDGs, for example, yeah. oil or tobacco. Yeah, um, yeah but look so at the car industry. Let's say 10 years from now, probably there are no cars that run on gasoline or diesel. Uh, whether then electricity is the way to go or whether it's uh, other ways of running a car, I don't know. But they do it also because in a way they're forced to do it, don't they? I mean, because we are running out of oil point. So, I mean, you can combine good commercial ideas with necessity or with, um, with wanting better for the world, so to say. And I think where, where, where the success is, where everything falls into one big pot, so to say. Yeah. Um, so uh, what do you want to achieve as the, as the director for the first tier global goals? I want to help customers really on their travel towards achieving whatever they want to achieve in their company. We advise them to say, just as you have I'm sure very fixed financial targets, or you can have targets within human resources, whatever, the staff mm. satisfaction rates or whatever. You should also set some, some specific targets on what you want to achieve with the global goals. 
Is that better staff satisfaction, pride with working for the company? Is it uh, an increased sale? Is it a better image in the population or with your shareholders or whatever? But try to, to set some KPIs and follow them. Uh, because if you work for say two or three years and don't really have regular checks, have we moved anything? Uh, people will lose interest and it will be parked somewhere in the corner of the company uh, uh, as I've unfortunately been part of some corporate social responsibility projects over my many years in, in this uh, industry mm -hmm. that just vanished, if you know what I mean, because nobody really cared about them. And the poor person in the company who was in charge of this did not get the support or the interest and the management support or whatever. So it yeah. became a little bit of a one woman or one man fight uh, against the big company. And then of course, you know, who's going to win. That's a very yeah. negative picture I'm painting here, but a painting here, but I'm just saying we, we want to help companies not falling into that trap. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I, yeah, there is sometimes the issue of greenwashing where, where yes. firms they say that, uh, that, Oh yeah, we're switching and what they're, they're not really doing it. It might only be for show, and then it attracts uh, customers because they they want sustainable products or something. But then it's not really. So this how is, how do you avoid that uh, that issue? This is exactly one of the areas that we will have to look into as well, and say, look, if this is just what it's called window dressing, uh, don't yeah. do it because at some point the media will get after you, your customers will get after you. Or you will be met with legal demands from the government or from the city or whatever um, that you cannot meet and you will lose customers. I, I had an example recently in the northern part of Denmark in Jutland uh, where there was a company that was actually quoted in the media for saying we lost a big contract with our local city because we couldn't document our, uh, our you know, sustainability agenda or whatever and they wouldn't, they wouldn't use our products. And in the springtime, unfortunately, it never happened. I was hired to speak at a, the General Assembly of a, um, uh, com a number of companies that worked in, with uh, uh, equipment for handicapped. Uh, and and the, in Denmark, apparently, they are normally pretty small companies. Uh, so individually, it's difficult to do this process because it's costly, time-consuming, whatever. But this, they're, they're sort of the... Their, their union, so to say, said perhaps we could do it for them because uh, we helped them to be qualified and, and whatever, because they could see them losing business because they weren't able to document this. So I think this is also an area, and I have a good friend who is in the gas industry, and he says just by selling his things in Germany, he's met with, I don't know how many states there are in Germany, but let's say there are 10, with 10 different sets of regulations um, and they change all the time. And if you don't, if he doesn't follow them carefully, he's out of business because some of his competitors will immediately tell the authorities his uh, packaging or whatever is not in line with our uh, legislation, you know. Wow. So the more you can avoid getting into this and lose business. And this mm. is again, the, 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 the negative part of global goals, absolutely. But there is a risk if you don't, adjust your business somewhat into this that you will actually lose business at some point yeah yeah do i yeah i guess it's there is like an overarching trend towards sustainability in the yeah. in society um, yeah and also uh, going out getting capital uh, there are more and more uh, 
that say, yes, of course, we're willing, on, on, if you have a good business or whatever, to, to lend you some money, but you will have to document this and that. And this mm -hmm. uh, didn't happen five years ago, but it does now in some areas, not in all, but uh, I'm, I'm personally convinced that it will be bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had a course uh, at CBS where they were talking about that banks maybe would uh, give uh, cheaper loans to uh, firms that were um, um, they were doing, you know, sustainable products uh, mm -hmm. rather than firms who are doing, you know, um, you know, not environmentally friendly products, mm -hmm. something like mm -hmm. that. And I think that's definitely going to be a lot more um, like in the future. Yeah. And there are some uh, funds, equity funds that are specializing this already and say, we only invest in companies that can document this and that. There are not that many yet, but um, personally anyway, and that's, a, I cannot prove it, uh, but my conviction is that there will be more who will be looking into that also. And speaking about uh, business school, you know, when I started in working uh, many years ago, nobody in business school would even consider things like this. No. And now you have uh, <laughs> groups of uh, st students at the business school who really are specializing in corporate social responsibility or global goals or the so-called softer values or whatever, which I hate that expression because I don't think it's a soft value. I think it's a business value like anybody else. But yeah, yeah, I think it's also sometimes it's easier to sell something if you really believe in the, in the good value that you're actually selling, that it's really good for the society. Um, and I think it's also interesting to see that the CSR report sometimes, you know, it's just as important as the annual report uh, when, you, when you look at some firm's website. Uh, that, that's interesting that that's becoming more and more important. But for instance, also the, there's a, a committee of good governance in Denmark, uh, business good governance, and they will have a recommendation now that you should also be looking at the global goals. I mean, uh, for to to do to do to be a good company, so to say, uh, and this again is brand new. Uh, I know that the government uh, in Denmark is planning, probably next year, to send out a leaflet to all Danish households saying this is what you can do in your household to support the global goals. Could be oh. electricity. Could be how do you get rid of your waste? Uh, you know things like that. So I'm pretty sure that it will be more and more focus on this, it was a little bit interrupted by the corona, but uh, I have some interesting statistics saying that even in the midst of the corona, which was big in the spring in Denmark, like many other countries, uh, mm -hmm. there was a survey done among business leaders saying, does the corona mean that you have narrowed down your work for climate issues or is it the same or has it uh, become even bigger? It had actually become even slightly bigger than it used to be. So it was not like the corona said, no, now we have to concentrate 120% on our business and, and whatever. Clearly, some companies will have to do that. I mean, if mm -hmm. you're in the travel industry or entertainment industry, you're in deep, deep trouble right now. So understandable, you don't have enough time to consider the global goals and whatever. But a lot of businesses are actually making quite good money, even in spite of the corona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, so what kind of firms have you uh, mostly been uh, working with? Has it been like big ones or is it SMEs or? It's, it's uh, our target group are the SM, uh, SMEs uh, because the big ones already have, let, look at Mask for instance, 
I mean, they have a, a whole department uh, that works with social responsibility and whatever. Uh, and I don't think, to be honest, we can offer them a lot that they cannot do already. But uh, yeah. when I when I chaired the the uh, group set up the DL join uh, a year ago on uh, on um, uh, the global goals, I had the opportunity to go out and meet a lot of businesses in Denmark uh, and business leaders. And clearly, among the smaller and medium-sized companies, which constitute about eighty percent of the Danish business landscape, there was. Mm -hmm. uh, lack of knowledge and combined with good interest. So this is where we see our uh, possibility uh, and, and to really do a difference. So it could be companies would say 200, 300 employees, whatever, uh, yeah. even smaller, absolutely. I have been out uh, talking to companies with down to 30, 40 staff members, you know, uh, if they are in a business where they can really see the opportunity, absolutely they are they're also of interest clearly for us. But we're not going for Lego in the beginning. No, the SMEs are the ones that lack the maybe the the financial resources and the the human resources to to really do this. Yeah, but and, if you're in if you're in IT, if you're in retail, if you are in uh, uh, goods uh, products for the home and whatever, you're actually doing mm -hmm. quite well right now. Most of them are clearly. If you're in the travel industry, entertainment industry, theaters, whatever, mm -hmm. this is. Probably not the first companies that we would work with. I see, I see. Okay, so um, how do you actually ensure a positive impact? Uh, is there a way to measure? Uh, yes, uh, and, and yes and no, because you're touching on, on one of the critical aspects. Uh, because how do you? You can always document your financial results, and and you even get them audited, and you have to, and you have to follow legislation or whatever. Uh, this yeah. is a new line of business in many ways, so clearly uh, you will have to invent somehow to document. But if you, have, if, you, if you want to differentiate yourself in the market, I mean, you have a way to see, does my product do better than the competitors uh, after I included, so to say, the, the global goals? Um, mm -hmm. Do I want to lower my CO2 emission or footprint? You can measure that clearly, mm -hmm. so that's a very concrete measurement. Uh, mm -hmm. Do I want to increase staff satisfaction? You can measure staff satisfaction. You can also measure uh, staff turnover. Uh, am I better at hanging on to staff than I used to be? Uh, so mm -hmm. there are various ways of, of doing this. Uh, could be shareholder satisfaction. So that's what we can help a company trying to identify. What is it I want to get out of this? And how do I measure it? Uh, could be uh, image. Uh, I have a lousy image. I want to improve my image with the with the general population or with my customers or with whatever. Yeah, we can help you make a zero point analysis, and then we can follow that over some years. And and I I worked a lot with communication and image. It will you don't change that overnight. I mean, uh, it'll take years, but perhaps you can see a little bit of positive movement. If a company thinks, okay, I can improve my image with 20 percentage points in three years, doesn't happen, mm -hmm. uh, but perhaps three percentage points over time, uh, per year, whatever. I used to work a lot, uh, an organization like UNICEF is very dependent on having a good image. Of course, mm -hmm. it could vary a little bit over time, so we were always measuring that. And I can tell you, if we improved our image by 2.5 percent, that was a free cake for everyone, you know, it was a, a little <laughs> celebrated. And if it dropped two and a half percent, 
want? What would you, what did we do wrong? You know? Yeah. What I know is that there are more and more positions in Denmark with different titles. Could be mm-hmm. SCG manager or SCG consultant, whatever in companies. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. an interesting movement because uh, clearly five years ago, you wouldn't find that title. And, and the, the interesting discussion is also where does it belong in a company? Is it in HR? Oh, yeah. Is it in marketing? Is it in the management? Is it in uh, advertising? What, whatever you, depending on what kind of companies. And clearly there's no one stop for this. It should be all of it, but it should be, uh, it should be fixed somewhere in, in, uh, in this. And EGN has a new group starting up in, in not very long time with so-called SCG managers, whatever their title is. And I'm saying I'm really impressed with the fact that they can identify them because I'm not able yet to do that because it doesn't show on the homepage. But clearly they are people who will somehow be responsible for working with the global goals. And that I think is very interesting. I think just two years ago you wouldn't find that. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's interesting that it's like a a whole new uh, kind of profession that you can have uh, just popping up. yeah, I guess that's also that firms can, uh, uh, you know, incorporate the sustainability standards that are yeah. out there. There are quite a few, and then they can get audited by, by ISO and, um, yeah. for example. Yeah. And then that that's I guess that true. way is like a small way to kind of measure or certify at least that they're doing. Yeah, the, 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 the with these emblems that you can have is also that people get a little bit confused because I mean, you can have 17 qualifications uh, in, in being this and that and whatever. If it is not yeah. known by your customers, it doesn't help you very much. I mean, my, yeah. my favorite uh, example into that is very often in the fishing industry. If you buy mm-hmm. a can of tuna, you will find five or six different uh, stamps on this. And for me as an ordinary fish customer, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, nothing. It, looks, it looks very nice, but it doesn't tell me anything. So yeah. I think in this case, it's also, I mean, you, it's not like you cannot use the, the emblem of SDGs. Everybody can do that. Uh, mm. But then you, you get into the risk that you were mentioning before of uh, STG washing. If you put yeah. it on and still behave as nothing has happened, you will risk being criticized a lot. And I can, I won't give up names here, but I can tell you of some companies who have suffered a bit from, I should talk nicely as I shouldn't use the word shitstorms, but uh, they have been into that because really it was just window dressing. And our advice is absolutely not. Don't go into this if you don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, it has to be um, a a true commitment in some way. Um, So have you you in your work in UNICEF or now with the SDGs, uh, experience, you know, like a, a trade-off between social development and mm-hmm. environmental protection. Um, that sometimes, you know, greening can come at the cost of uh, of labor rights or something like that. You're 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 clearly touching on a on a, on a key challenge here. Uh, so, if you want to improve your company's behavior in one area, you will have to be able to do it without compromising in other areas. And this yeah. is. Uh, definitely also part of our, of our work to help a company do that. At the same time, I think it would be a little bit naive to think I can improve my behavior in inverted commas in all the areas. It's fair enough to say now I want to concentrate on climate or I want to concentrate on, on, on the social aspect or whatever. 
but mm-hmm. at least be able to do that without doing worse in the other areas, because then your SDG impact, so to say, is zero, uh, and it becomes uh, it, it becomes uh, meaningless in a way. Uh, I can't say that I have experienced personally issues, sorry, companies or organizations where this has happened, but it it is something that we need to watch out for. I fully agree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and also that I guess that firms they there is also this this issue of cherry picking between the SDGs. For example, if if you work yeah. with um, if you're really good in environmental, but you're not very good with with social development yeah, or absolutely. paying paying enough, but, then then sometimes you can ad- really yeah yeah, yeah yeah Our advice is also always try to concentrate on the SDGs that are closest to the values and the DNA of your company. I mean, mm-hmm. if you are a specialist in uh, in water and sanitation, perhaps mm-hmm. you should not uh, especially concentrate on on something that has to do with uh, yeah city planning or girls' education or whatever you know, and and vice versa. It has to yeah. be something that is close to what you actually do. But again, mm-hmm. absolutely agree. It should not be at, at sacrifice of other areas that now you put all your money into this and you forget about for instance uh, decent jobs or whatever you know you cannot do that mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it, nobody yeah. said it would be easy <laughs> no, that's right that's right and you always have to uh to change and, and grow to uh, yeah. to make a profit so yeah that's right <laughs> um okay uh and i guess also that um customers they usually they expect more and more sustainability and and uh, and SDGs, but they want to pay the same price uh usually do uh do yeah, you do, have you experienced that or, no, it or depends. i mean uh, i know that you should also uh, be a little bit careful about the statistics in, in in customer surveys because people have a tendency to reply what they think they should reply and not necessarily do that in practice but I mean, there are actually quite a number of surveys indicating that at least some customers, mainly more women than men, are willing to pay somewhat more, not, not double or whatever, but they may be willing to pay, say, 5% more or whatever. And you already have some good examples. I'm very often looking to the UK when I, when I look into this, because the UK is not very much dealing with the uh, SDGs, but they are very much in corporate social responsibility. And I, when I talked to my former colleagues in the UK when I was in UNICEF, they said mm-hmm. that clearly, I mean, um, if you have two different kinds of teas, th- there will be more people buying the, the organic tea than the traditionally grown tea, even though it's three, four, five, six percent uh, more expensive. Because uh, that's sort of the customer behavior in, in some of the Anglo-Saxon countries right now. I'm not quite sure we've got to there yet in Denmark, but uh, at the same time, clearly, if you have a choice and there's little or almost no price difference, I mean, look at the, uh, uh, 20 years ago, when they started selling organic goods in Denmark, they couldn't Mm -hmm. sell them. I mean, they could only sell them in Copenhagen and a few other big cities, but never in the countryside. Now, in any supermarket in Denmark, you can find so much organic dairy products, uh, green uh, vegetables, whatever, no matter where you live. So it, it's sort of a movement that comes in, uh, and I'm pretty sure this will be the same here also. 
yeah, yeah, it's like a process that has to, uh, it takes time to normalize it. Of course it does. And, and we all have a private economy that has to stick together also. But if you can come up with something that is almost the same price, uh, and of course the taste should be as good and everything, uh, clearly people will have a, uh, most people will have a preference for the, the good product, so to say. Yeah. Uh, what would your tip be for uh, for firms who want to work more actively with the with the SDGs? My tip for that. Yeah, uh, your tip or your your advice. <laughs> call me. <laughs> no, that's a very that's a very basic one. Uh, find out uh, what. Perhaps you're already doing it. I I actually sometimes meet with companies that are actually without really knowing it, working with one of the SDGs, and that could be a good starting point. Uh, but are you serious about this, I would say? Is this really something you want to do? Are you ready to invest some money, some time, not necessarily an enormous amount, and see that, and I use the word investment, not as a cost, as, as an investment in the future uh, that at some point will pay back? Uh, of course, also, are you financially able to do that? Um, and then we can, uh, as I've said before, we can sit down and say, so which of all these 17 goals and 169 BTA goals are relevant to your company? Uh, who is your target group? Is this an internal process? Is it process, sorry? Is it an external? Is it both? Uh, and, and be specific, what do you want to achieve within which timeline? Uh, so it's not very much different from, from any other uh, new thing you want to introduce into your company. Uh, because you would always set up specific, you would always know timeline and a budget and whatever. Um, yeah. We can help you with that. Uh, in the end, of course, your company will have to do it yourself. We can guide you, assist you. We can get technical expertise in. If your starting point is that I want to lower my CO2 emission, I know absolutely nothing about that myself. Uh, but I know good people uh, who work with us and can be called in and, and can do this very professionally and give you a report. This is where I am. This is where I want to go. And in order to get there in three years, two years, whatever, this is what I need to, to look at in my company. So we can be, what kind of work can I use? Action oriented? I mean, it's not just theory. It's, it's going to be very action oriented. How can I advertise it internally? How can I, I use it in day-to-day in -day work? Um, how can I make sure that my colleagues and my staff are taking this on board. I, I visited a company the other day. They have um, uh, they have taken away all the paper baskets uh, around every desk because they want uh, staff to go to some key places where they separate the waste in different categories. And of course, some people were protesting and said, we cannot work if we don't have a paper waste basket right next to our desk. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but actually they did a campaign so when you got into the, the uh, reception of this company you saw mm -hmm. a pile of used waste paper baskets uh, and, and, and some stopping lights indicating that this we don't do anymore now we do this because we want to separate our garbage you know? a small example but it's also an example that in a way helps to remind everyone all the time we're actually committed to doing this. We want to play our part in, in a better world. Now I'm getting up into the high ideals and principles, but you can combine that with the everyday practice. I'm, I'm pretty good. I've seen very good examples of that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's also about doing the small things. Uh, I know at yeah. CBS, they also do the, 
the the waste uh, separation. Um, so so even though it's a small thing, it really does add up uh, on a on a bigger scale. If you can look at my, my own households in Copenhagen, we have six different uh, waste containers now. Uh, five years ago, I think we had two: one for garden waste, and one for other waste. Now we have so many areas. And I'm sure uh, I understand that we're getting up to 10. I don't know where we have to put all these because my, my house is not that big, but still. Uh, but it, it's just accepted. Uh, but there's a yeah. lot of change in five years just uh, in that area. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure you will see different behavior changes in, in the ordinary customer, so to say. But this is business to consumer, but there's also business to business. Uh, and there I understand that very often the, the situation of competition is so tough that you cannot really add just 0.3% to your product price because then you will be out of business because some other companies will be able to, to bid lower. So they will simply have to do it in a smarter way. And that is also where the STGs may be a good way because they say, okay, we want to do this. We are convinced that this is the future. We cannot mm -hmm. add to the price. So what can we do? Can we do product development so that we produce in a cheaper way, we ship in a cheaper way, whatever, you know, uh, and, and this is where the company clearly has the expertise. We don't have that, but we can help them think in these lines. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose that actually the SDGs are a very good, um, you know, um, tool to, to innovate your product or your yeah. Your, your process or your service in, in different ways. Uh, instead of just thinking, oh, I wanna do good for society, then you actually have these 17, then you can kind of choose what, what is the, the most, yeah. the best at the moment, so. Uh, it has to be uh, connected with, it has to be in line with what you actually do as a company. And that's again why I say, they, they, whatever STG you may choose, or two or three, whatever, shouldn't be too far away from where you use normally expressing the values, the DNA of your company is. Uh, it would look artificial if, uh, if you were working with something that is a total different uh, thing. I see, I see. So uh, do you have a specific SDG that you hold very dear or that, that you identify a lot with? Myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm colored by my many years in, 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 uh, in the UN and uh, I must say working for giving girls the same opportunities as boys uh, in, in not perhaps, I don't know if I've become unpopular by saying this, I don't see it as a big issue in Denmark. Uh, I mean, actually girls are doing better in schools today than boys are and whatever, but they uh, are. I, you don't have to go very far away from Denmark to see some very bad conditions for girls uh, in education and in, in the right to make decisions uh, to vote. I mean, a lot, lot of areas. So equal rights for both genders, I would say would be what is of main, what is closest to me. This is not to say I'm not interested in climate. I know climate is important. I've traveled a lot in Greenland with, when I was in UNICEF and there mm -hmm. you really see the, the changes uh, because of climate. But if you, if you ask me to choose one, I would choose the one on mm -hmm. girls' education or education. Okay. In, we had a saying in UNICEF, a little bit uh, smart one perhaps, saying education is, passport, is a passport to life. I think this is not mm -hmm. perhaps a, a bit oversimplifying it, but it is clearly one big step towards uh, equal opportunities. Mm 